0: there. Welcome to episode 19 of the Bruce Day podcast. This is Andy, and I'll be your elected officiant for this episode. Ooh. Today, I'm joined by Wes, Josh, and Rob. So, fellas, who'd you vote for? Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to the listeners. Hi, hey, listeners. Hey, everyone. Hello. Full transparency, we are recording this episode one night before the election, so we're going to tread lightly as we orbit part of our conversation close to politics. But also this week, on a lighter but also darker note, we get to celebrate International Stout Day. So we're kicking off our episode with a stout for our cheers beer and first topic of discussion. After waxing poetic about stout beers, we'll debate conservative versus progressive beer and breweries and provide some updates about beer and alcohol laws that we originally discussed back in episode two. Next, we'll chat about some of the latest beer news before taking a quick break. And then we'll get into our big board, lightning round, and good, bad, or ugly of the week. But that's enough of me. I need to breathe. Let's have a drink, fellas. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers
1: Best intro yet.
0: Yeah, Baby, that was fantastic. It. So today's Cheers beer comes from River North Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Anniversary 8 is an imperial stout measuring it at 11% ABV with no IBU listed. Brewed to celebrate River North eight year anniversary. And to keep with the eight theme, this beer was boiled for eight hours. On Untapped, it has only 148 check-ins with an average rating of 4.01 out of five. Josh, as our official Colorado expert, uh, I'm gonna pass it off to you first. What's your impression?
2: certainly wouldn't call myself an expert so far i'm i'm liking it. it it is an imperial stout that 11% isn't coming through as strong as i thought it might um when i poured it it, it is super dark um i had a really nice head on mine it, it's nice i'm not getting a ton of sort of different flavors it's kind of a dark chocolatey flavor to to my palate but i am liking it i may be a little bit under a 4 um but i still think it's a good beer yeah it's it's um it's very rich It's like I'm getting less chocolate,
3: more like a nutty taste. Very rich, poured out very thick, and it is dark. Um, I agree that you don't really taste that 11%, which is pretty impressive because 11% is a high ABV. Um, So a a little extra credit because hiding that is pretty impressive. I'm probably right around the same Josh, though. I'm I'm thinking I'm like down at 3.9. It's really good. It's just, um, I don't know. It's like it's almost lacking something. At the end, like I almost like I usually I want less flavor in these beers and I almost like I'm missing a little bit of flavor in this one.
1: For me, I, I almost feel like if it's not 11%, maybe it's 10 and a half. Uh, to me, I, I feel <laughs> like Rob hard. <laughs> I feel like the ABV is is what's covering up some of those notes for me. Hmm. Um, I, I, I do feel like there there is a good taste on it. It is up front, like you said, Wes, it, it's not on that back end but it it does it does i do feel like the, the that high abv is coming through just maybe it isn't 11% you're right some of it is masked but I st- if i had to guess it was 10 and a half <laughs>
0: hmm.
3: interesting i'm not getting that but
0: i'm getting a heavy like roasted coffee it almost kind of feels like i'm i'm eating like a a coffee brownie i don't i get a little bit of sweetness at the front I definitely get that that creaminess to it that they've talked about in the description, but I'm getting just a lot of like roasted coffee taste throughout, as well as it kind of like lingers in the aftertaste. I will point out though, that on the can, it asks if it was ill-advised to boil an eight hour stout and they answered it with probably... <laughs>
2: Andy, that's a, that's a good point. So after tasting it, I I pulled up the beer advocate on it. Um, and one of the, the things that a couple of people mentioned is through that eight hours, that they get a little bit of charred taste from, from how long it cooked. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm saying that out loud now. And and Rob, maybe that's a bit of what you're tasting, but um, at least mentally now, I, I kind of taste that while I'm drinking it to your point about uh, coffee and, and brownie.
1: You know, I do like... So it i mean like any like any stout you kind of have those very rich multi flavors but they 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 just come through differently right and and i feel like this is without a doubt you're getting those coffee notes you're getting those like rich chocolatey kind of caramel you know flavors and that's what i i think that's you know what you expect from from a stout you know one thing i got to give it credit for and maybe
3: this is just because we haven't had that many stouts on this podcast but i do think this is the first time all four of us have given a review and had a completely different flavor come out of it i feel like usually and that's probably because we drink a lot of hazy ipas and ipas and it's kind of like yep the ibu is here and it's it's uh about this abv that's generally what we're gonna taste this one i feel like all four of us had a little bit of a different feeling right at the beginning there which is I mean, I feel like that's a good sign. That good. It kind of has more, more to it, I would say, that, that that allows us to bring different flavors out of it.
0: Yeah, Wes, you bring up a really good and Actually, kind of a, a good transition into our first topic tonight, which is it's all about stout beer, that boggish brown beverage that berates our taste buds with dark beauty. Was that enough alliteration for you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to first give you some stout facts along with some info about – International Stout Day, which is happening this week on November 5th, and then we'll kind of dive into what we like, what we dislike about the style. So actually jumping back one episode to last week where we had the pumpkin porter, stouts actually were developed from porters way back when. We're talking like in the 1700s when porters first came about, and stouts are basically just stronger darker versions of porters and there actually is some debate i don't know who's debating it but people have debated <laughs> whether stouts should be considered its own kind of specific style category or if it should just be lumped in as almost like a you know imperial porter or double porter but so porters and stouts originated in the uk and they spread in popularity around the world as i mentioned porters kind of became a beer around like, you know, 1720 to 1730 in the UK. And from there, as people began to enjoy porters and breweries started to experiment a little bit more, they made them stronger, they made them darker and stout, you know, you get that connotation of the word stout is strong. And that's kind of how that style began to develop is just brewing those stronger, darker beers. There's a few like main varieties of stouts. And I kind of took a look at untapped To see if, if all of us had had each of these styles, but some of these, I think we all know of, and there was at least one that surprised and shocked me. And I know that I've never had it, but one we all know about is the milk stout that contains lactose. Like I think, you know, one of the more popular ones is left-hand brewing does a great milk stout as well as like a nitro version of that. You have the, the Irish or dry stout, and that's just going to be drier and not as sweet as say a milk stout. And that's where you're going to get your Guinness. And other Irish stouts next you have your oatmeal stout and that just has you know brewed with oats to a specific proportion this is the one that stood out to me is an oyster stout Ooh. have any of you ever heard of that nope no and I don't want one yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would so originally the oyster stout was brewed with an oyster like concentrate like, in it, the process oh
1: god wow yeah <laughs>
0: can't be good nowadays it leans more towards the the kind of connotation that you're going to enjoy it or it's best paired while eating oysters but there is still a brewery that makes an an oyster stout that when they age it in barrels they place some oysters in the barrel in that during that aging process now
2: that sounds like a big board loser beer (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know about you guys, but
3: uh, I don't know if a stout is ever going to sound like a good pairing to anything that comes from the sea to me. I don't, not seafood and stout, <laughs> it, oysters, fish, I don't care what it is. That does not sound good to me. What if Barge
1: Brewing produced oh,
3: it? No. Oh, I, I,
0: I wouldn't want to go that route.
3: I'll have it, <laughs> but I don't want, I do not not the oyster stout.
1: No, thank you. No.
3: it Just no, no. Seafood and stout. No, thank you. Oh, I will I'm just say to,
1: to play off last week if Barge Brewing shot a cannon of stout oyster stout beer my way, I'm throwing it back, I, I would tap <laughs> that thing and give it a try. And it happened to not hit your boat
3: and drown you, and I survived. You'd try it, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or get just fermented oyster concentrate beer all over your vessel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the last so kind of moving on and continuing on the last kind of known like sub style of stout would just be the imperial stout or, or some people call it the Russian imperial stout. And that's obviously, you know, kind of the high end, you know, usually above 9%. This is definitely in that imperial range with how high ABV this is. Uh, but one that stands out to me is just kind of a, a really well-known, and it's been mentioned before, but KBS is an imperial stout. So before we jump into kind of uh, what we like and what we dislike about stouts, I just want to give a few facts around International Stout Day. So as illustrious as that may sound, I'm I'm going to kind of poo-poo it a little bit because it was only founded in 2011, and <laughs> it was founded by a Southern California-based beer writer named... Aaron Peters. And from what I could research in the extensive time I spent actually looking for this, I could find very little about what actually happens. I could find nothing for this year. And that's understandable with, the, with COVID and the pandemic and in-person events not happening. Understand it. It does seem like Guinness has kind of jumped on and, and taken the reins on it a little bit. In 2019, Guinness did host events at both their Dublin and Baltimore facilities okay, that celebrated the holiday. And it seems like Guinness has done other events before, but there's absolutely nothing happening this year. I haven't really seen much promotion about it. So maybe it's not really caught on as much as it over time could, but we're still going to celebrate it by drinking our stout today. Um, So I'm going to now kind of just like start off the, the conversation or, you know, kind of ask the question. Um, and Rob, I'm going to start with you because you seem to uh, enjoy stouts most frequently out of our group. What What are some of the things that you like about the stout style?
1: Yeah, so I, I think I mentioned it whenever we checked in the Cheers beer, but the thing I really enjoy about stouts as a whole is just the flavors, right? And I think that's kind of cliche to say, but they all come through with very strong roasted malt flavors, um, you know, tastes like. Coffee and and chocolate and and different flavors like that. Uh, I have checked in. I was actually surprised by this. I've checked in sixty different stouts on Untapped. I was surprised because I thought it was way higher than that. I thought I've checked oh, in at I least a like hundred. I was surprised. Um, I, th- I thought that it would be a lot higher than that. Obviously, I've mentioned it on this podcast. I've given Guinness five stars on multiple different occasions. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of stouts. I, I will always seek out a stout if there's one out there just because i think that they they are unique uh they're they're different with those different flavors um, and it's something i enjoy
3: i have a very topical update right now i just checked in this beer our river eight our anniversary 8 from river north and got the international stout day 2020 badge on untapped
0: Three days, days. you can early. get it three wow. days early. So
1: yeah. got
3: it. <laughs> <No>. it.
0: <laughs> as long as you hit the calendar week, I guess you're yeah. good.
3: No, I, I feel like I'm the same with Rob. I, I like him. I'm super I feel like I for some reason I never feel like I feel like a stout and then I drink it and always enjoy it. So I don't know why I don't drink more. I definitely have not checked in 80. I couldn't tell you the number, but it's probably significantly lower than that. What I like about them is that they have that such they have such a rich flavor. And they still always, every single time, even this 11% one, like I just said, I drink it and I'm expecting to have like a milkshake. And it never is. It's always a much lighter than anticipated. And it's it's so you basically get a lot of flavor, a lot of rich flavor with not that thick of a beer, which I really appreciate. It's really good.
2: Yeah. Wes, in addition to that, the the a lot of times, and I know we're drinking Imperial right now, but a typical stout, uh, a lot of times it has a lower ABV. It's a little bit lighter, but it carries all of that flavor. Um, it, it's part of the reason I like it. It's also probably, if, if I was going to have a beer on nitro, um, stout is probably my favorite. I just checked. This will be my 17th check-in, so I'm, I'm significantly behind Rob. I think the reason for that is most of the time that I'm ordering one, it's almost like a dessert that I might even pair with something like a scoop of ice cream or something Um, just because I I feel like those two things go well. And it's like having a coffee after dinner, except it's still a beer.
0: Yeah. Josh, I agree about your kind of lightness comment around stouts. Obviously this one, I think I would agree is definitely heavier than some of the stouts we have. What comes to mind immediately is just Guinness, how light it ends up being and how not light it actually looks but i'll I'll kind of bring up a a counter question are there any is there anything about the stout style that you don't like
2: yeah i kind of think what i i said almost can work for or against it where you know some of those a lot of flavor in a lighter beer if, if it's too much and either it's not my personal preference or it just has sort of an off flavor to me um, all of a sudden it goes from something that, that's an enjoyable beer to, to something that I really don't like.
3: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I feel like because they're so rich and you can add, you have such such a, it's, it's a lot easier to add flavor to a stout. And you can, I feel like you can use a lot of different flavors and that becomes an issue where there's too many flavors and I can rule out a beer immediately. Like uh, for one, one good example i could give you is there's a lot of coconut stouts. I do not like coconut flavor. Like I just don't. I know I'm not gonna order that. Um, but we start getting into some crazy stuff where there's like four flavors listed in a stout, and that are that that's kind of the same way. Like it worries me a little bit. I feel like there's like almost too much ability to add flavor, which is a little scary and can backfire a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I would. I would. So I really like stouts. I'll just come out and say that I, I'm a big fan of stouts. The one thing I dislike, though, is that majority of the stouts that I typically come across and that I see have a higher ABV. And Josh, I know you mentioned that you know you typically see lower ABV. I, I tend to usually come across like more Imperials with those higher ABVs. And so the I think the challenge I usually have is you, you can only drink one or two of those in a sitting because they're going to have all those flavors or because they're going to be such high ABVs that, that you just can't drink. You know, three or four or whatever, right? Um, aren't I will, you, Aren't you the guy that drinks the triple IPAs regularly on this podcast? <laughs> no, that was only a few weeks in a row, but that, uh, <laughs> that has stopped. I'm, maybe maybe I'll go find one for. Okay, tonight. we'll see. You know, yeah. Stay tuned. I will say though, almost fifty percent of the stouts that I've checked in have been imperials. So twenty-seven wow, okay. out of the sixty uh, stouts that I've checked in have been imperials, and most likely, Josh. To your point, is that they've all been like dessert beers, right? Like the very yeah. last beer of of the night uh, or, or even the only beer of the night. <laughs> yeah.
3: I do have a kind of like a little bonus question here for you, Andy, if I may, is I do feel like from personal experience of just being on Untappd so much, I do feel like a stout generally gets, and maybe it's just because the ones I drink are better, but I do feel like stouts have like just in general if i had to guess stouts have a higher average rating on untapped than any other style i feel like the more i come across stouts especially with breweries don't put them out that much when they do they get really high rating almost always um i don't know if that's because it's just like a i don't know if there's like a standard to a stout that just like makes it better or I don't have you guys seen the same thing
1: Yeah, I have as well. And I almost feel like it follows the correlation that Josh uh, uh, found through um, just some analysis that we've done, right? where the ABV uh, correlates, a higher ABV typically correlates to a higher rating. And so usually whenever I see a stout that is an imperial with a higher ABV, it has a higher rating to it. So if I had to guess, it'd be that correlation of a higher rating and a higher abv i
2: i kind of I, and I'm, I'm making this up entirely i think it might have that's my more opinion to, yeah. yeah right yeah we're all making all of this up um <laughs> yeah. i i have a feeling that it's a, just a ton of beer drinkers who don't like a lot of bitterness and so your pale ales your ipas things that everybody sort of trends to now if that's not their thing you, you kind of only have a couple of options it's lagers. Or if you want a ton of flavor, it becomes the stouts and porters. And so I think there's a whole group of people who are just constantly looking for any sort of stout that has an interesting flavor, has something interesting to them. And they're going to tend towards that because I've almost never had a stout that isn't smooth. It just might not have the flavor profile I like, but that might be completely different for someone else. I like it. I'll give you that as fact. That's a fact. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Good
0: job. (laughs) I would almost throw out that there's somewhat of a, I don't know, it's almost like a, you don't want to be the person that doesn't rate a beer shitty when it has True. a high rating. So there's almost like that pressure of the, you know, average overall rating that is going to maybe, if you're on the fence between a lower number and a higher number, you're, yeah. if it has like a 4.01 average or a higher average rating, you may lean towards a little bit that may almost like skew what you're going to rate it because you're, you know, you see that higher rating also, Uh, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's, that's a fact. Uh, one last question before we move off of stouts for the day. Um, if you had to recommend one or two other stouts for people to try that aren't Guinness, do you have any, are there any others that you really like? Uh, Wes, I'll, I'll start off with you. Yeah,
3: I have two. Uh, I gave both four, two fives on, on tap. Um, I really like both. I actually, one of them, I'm surprised I didn't. The first one is Big Bad Baptist by Epic Brewing. Uh, it's a 4.19 average with 108,000 check ins. Very, very good. I, it's a pretty standard stout, but just super smooth, super rich while, while still being that kind of like light flavor. The other one is the Peanut Butter Milk Stout by Belching Beaver. This is the one I'm surprised by. I, I actually am surprised I'm only 4.25. I love that beer. It is. It has a just amazingly rich peanut butter flavor. It is absolutely delicious. If you want to try a stout and like peanut butter flavor, go for that one. Cause they did it just right. It's not too, too rich with peanut butter, but it has, it's just like a beautiful peanut butter flavor to it.
2: Rob, I think you and I had one of those real late night and half the time we were just giggling because it tasted like you were eating like a peanut butter cup.
1: Yeah. I was about <laughs> to say that exact same thing. And Wes, I'm pretty sure I had Uh, the peanut butter milk stout from Belching Beaver with you in San Diego? Possibly. Nice. I believe so. If not, I've had it. It's delicious. I'll go next. So Kentucky breakfast stout, if you haven't had it, obviously you need to get it. It has an average of 4.42 on untapped with almost 200,000 check-ins. Andy mentioned it earlier. It's something that if you haven't had before, you obviously need to try. The other one I'll mention is Convict Hill by Independence Brewing Company out of Austin, Texas. It's an oatmeal stout. Andy, you were talking about this earlier. Uh, just a unique style to stouts, but really delicious. 8% ABV, 25 IBU. I give it a 4.5. It has 16,000 check-ins with an average of 3.8. Uh, it's a little bit lower on the average, but I will say this was a, a phenomenal oatmeal stout. And if you're ever in in Austin or uh, find the Convict Hill. Uh, definitely give it a try. It's 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 really delicious. Nice. The 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 only
2: one that I'll mention is somewhat available everywhere. It's Old Rasputin. It's by North Coast Brewing out of Fort Bragg, California. They do sort of. It's a dark chocolate coffee flavor, which is is really standard. Um, the flavors are strong, but they're not super overdone, and it's really smooth. And to me, we've uh, we've actually put this on the Brews Day Review Instagram, and it's a, it's a great introduction to sort of stouts in general. Um, so that, that's what I'd recommend if you haven't had. one.
0: And I'll close it out with one, Rob. I'm, I'm a little surprised you didn't mention it because at least from a personal story you've shared, you have a, you've searched far and wide for this. And, and I don't actually know if you've ever had one, but stone puts out a woot stout every once in a while. And they just released one, uh, during the summer of this year. And it's always like more of a limited release, but they've, they've, They've put out some good ones in the past. I have not tried the 2020. Rob, I don't know. Have you actually ever had a Woot Stout or have you just been searching far and wide?
1: <laughs> no, I have. Uh, I've I've just uh, forgotten to check it in. I've had at least <laughs> two. <laughs> I just forget to check it in every time. And probably because it's I'm having good. it. It's that good. And I'm checking it in at the end of a night uh, as a dessert beer. So at that point, you know, my... Uh, Blood alcohol is probably a little bit elevated as well. And I forget to check in the beer. And
3: and when Rob says dessert beer, he means he had a bunch of beers and that's the dessert to his beer. Not necessarily the dessert. There wasn't, there wasn't dinner. It
2: was just, yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to shift a little bit away from, from stouts and begin that uh, close orbit towards politics, but we're going to take a slightly different approach today. Um, Our next topic that we're gonna chat about are conservative versus progressive breweries and beer. So I'm gonna do a couple quick definitions uh, so that we can set the stage for the conversation. But conservative as defined by the Oxford Dictionary is averse to change or innovation and holding traditional values. And progressive is defined as happening or developing gradually or in stages proceeding step-by-step now kind of taking those two definitions and applying them to the beer industry. There's, there's probably like two things that really stand out to me that represent conservative and progressive kind of ideologies within brewing. When I, when I hear conservative, I think of the German beer laws that have not changed and probably will not change about what can go into your beer, like what ingredients need to be in beer and that's it to be classified as beer. And on the progressive side, I'm thinking of all of the like crazy things that we are seeing just within the last couple of years around IPAs. We're talking like you know, smoothie beers or milkshake IPAs, even the introduction of hazy IPAs, I would say is progressive. Um, but I wanted to kind of get your your takes on it. Are there are there any breweries or beers that specifically stand out to you as conservative or progressive? Or do, do any of you have like, pre, like a specific take on what conservative and progressive means when I'm when I'm like putting this forward into the beer industry?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'll always lean progressive when it comes to the beer industry. Not just because I mean, I do think we take it a little far. Like, I don't know if I need a smoothie beer or a milkshake beer. Um, but hey, I'll try it try new stuff. You always got to try the new thing. If it fails, it doesn't. If it fails, it fails. If it, if it doesn't great, it's probably good for a reason. I don't know if I agree with that with the smoothie beer, but Hey, it's still going. Um, but I think the big thing about being progressive is that the more a brewery is progressive, the brewery next door has to be progressive as well. You can't just live off of being, yeah, we have these three IPAs, but these guys next door, make a new triple IPA every day that people are lined up out the door for. Like you're going to, you're going to have to catch up. You've got to make some new beers and it breeds, it breeds competition and it breeds innovation within the beer industry, locally, nationally, worldwide. And I, I think it's just something that needs to happen. Um, And I just, I like trying new beers. So that helps as well.
2: That's, that's the tough part with, with the group of, uh, of us that you have here is that I think we're all biased towards progressive because we want, to try the newest thing, we want to see if it's something we like, and then figure out if if it's something if you know we want to go further than that and find somebody who's taking it even further. Um, at the same time, there's you know some good things that can come from the the more conservative companies, but honestly, I don't know how many of those sort of even exist at this point.
1: Yeah, and I I would say that I I, I feel like I do I do agree. Progressive beers are I, I'm a fan of progressive beers. I do feel like they can be a bit much at times, but I I also would say that it works, at least here in the United States, because there's so much competition. And it seems like more and more consumers are gravitating towards the progressive styles anyway. I'm not so sure that a progressive beer would work in a place like Germany where you have those the regulated laws or rules on on you know stipulating the different ingredients and whatnot. Although maybe that just means, you know, in maybe in time, it could come. The one thing I I would say, though, is I do feel like in the United States, because you have so many more progressive beers, the quality of craft beers that we have is is really built on the quantity of progressive beer makers. And I feel like the competition helps brew that as well. And no pun intended, um, I feel like we are getting such quality progressive beers out there. And it's really because of just the the competitive nature uh, of how many different uh, brewery, progressive breweries that are out there.
0: Yeah, Rob, I mean, you guys have all brought up good points. But Rob, I want to kind of ask my next question off to kind of off of what you just ended with. You know, we know that craft breweries are very progressive because that's kind of what that's what we want that's what we seek out we seek out what's next what's new always trying to to find a beer that we haven't had before but are there any craft breweries that you would actually consider to be conservative and they could range you know from the micro to the almost macro but when it comes to craft breweries you know discounting ab and bev and like molson coors like they're like m- large flagship breweries um are there any craft breweries that you would consider to be conservative? It's a tough question because
2: I would originally right when you said that to me something like a Russian River where we all know like five of their top beers they're great and you don't see a whole lot of other stuff coming from them um but just doing some quick research you can see on the back end that locally they push out a ton of different you know more progressive things they're just not shipping them out kind of across the country um, so even the the places that I would imagine are like, okay, they have their five flagship beers. They've perfected them. They're still doing other stuff on the side. I'm just not necessarily seeing it um, which makes it hard for me to sort of gauge it, You know, if there's anybody who are just sort of sitting back on their five most popular beers, I, I sort of doubt it to the point we just made about progressive breweries pushing the envelope. Um, if you kind of do sit back, you might have your your couple locals who want the same beer every day. Um, but you're, you're not gaining the, the sort of audience you need to expand or make yourself any bigger.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, it's tough. And, and maybe I have this opinion cause I lean hard to the progressive side of preference of a brewery. But uh, I, I think that that's somewhat true, Josh, but I also think that there's a, an issue with that is that there's some breweries that got in early in craft brew markets, like locally here to AZ, right? Yeah, which I would name Four Peaks as one in Tempe, Arizona here. And another one is Huss. And I think the reason that they are less progressive is because they own the grocery store market and they own the, the standard bar market. Like your Chili's is going to have a Four Peaks beer in it, you know? Right. So it's easier for them not to progr- be progressive because they have those standard beers that's almost flagship of like Arizona as a whole. They're able to ship those out a little easier. And when you go to the places, although I will say Four Peaks has adapted a little bit more recently because of the COVID thing and Huss is doing the same thing. But the breweries I like, I go to and there's three new beers a week or they're, they're putting yeah. out a new release a week. The, the, those two I just named are it's pretty rare that you show up and you haven't had a beer that, they, that fits on the menu. Um, so I think that's kind of why you're able to live in that less progressive thing is if you were in early And became big and now you're just like a flagship name of a state or even like a region of the the,
2: the country. So yeah, you're kind of saying it's 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 it is sort of equally impressive, but they're just trying to make the same grape beer at a massive scale, which probably takes just as much, if not more, effort, thought, and and kind of care. Yeah,
3: working on scaling up rather than scaling like out and being that progressive. They're they're they are trying to become that big brewery, which there's nothing wrong with that. You want to make money, you got you yeah. gotta make more beer. <laughs> you got it, yep.
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Wes, when you in writing up this episode, one of the things that came to me was four peaks, and you hit it perfectly that they have had to adapt. And and now, as I follow four peaks kind of from afar, I see that their offerings, whether that be their annuals or their seasonals or their very limited releases lean way more progressive when it comes to what they're experimenting with. But on the whole, at least in what I've experienced with four peaks, I would consider them to be a relatively like conservative craft brewer just based off of what you talked about. They're kind of like ownership of the markets so they don't necessarily have to be yeah, as progressive. Rob being from Pennsylvania. Do you think that Yingling is considered a conservative brewery? I would say yes.
1: However, I would say that they are becoming progressive. I think this deal with Miller is going to open up some new channels and it's going to allow them to, to start exploring some, some new flavors and some new brews. However, they have to prove it first. So while I say that, they are and they will be conservative until they prove otherwise.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I would almost like lump in sam adams a little bit to a similar question for the kind of boston northeast area them being as large as they are especially and with us not living in that market to kind of josh your point we can't necessarily see if sam adams is offering those like short run limited edition beers that are only getting done locally that they're getting to experiment and be progressive on but we're also seeing ab InBev and molson coors you know buying up those progressive craft breweries or trying to be progressive by just buying craft breweries and adding it to their portfolio. And I don't necessarily consider that being progressive, but maybe that's up for debate. I think that's more about expanding,
2: you know, their offering, if, if they have a, a bar or something that, that they can deliver to, because at the same time, you're not, I, I don't think maybe who knows that they might come out with this, but you're not going to see like bud IPA like they would rather buy up somebody who makes a good IPA or decent IPA even and just add that to their offering that doesn't fall under their their sort of standard offerings
1: uh, uh excluding the seltzer world right
0: oh adding <laughs> seltzers in yeah that that can uh, regress that doesn't need to progress at all we can yeah. just uh, hopefully get rid of Next. that one yeah <laughs> can that it's, just be a fad that fades it's too progressive yeah <laughs> I do have uh, one last question and want to get your personal opinion on this before we move off this topic and on to the next one, but um, thinking about kind of conservative and progressive beers and knowing how long, especially for us, like as individuals have been drinking IPAs is a standard, like single IPA can, can that now be considered a conservative like beer style? I
1: would say in general, it could be considered conservative, but overall, I would say IPAs are still considered progressive. And let me explain that a little bit. I feel like if you walk into a brewery, the expectation is that a brewery will have an IPA on draft or available. They have to carry an IPA. But there's so many different variations of IPAs and so many different styles that I almost feel like a brewer would, would take offense to anyone calling an IPA conservative just because there's so many different ways you can brew it and so many different styles, so many different hops you can bring into it. It it's progressive just because uh I you know every single IPA you've had is has been different and it continues to be different.
3: Yeah see I would I would even take out the there's different styles of IPAs and just say like let's say take the American IPA period you can walk into a brewery that actually specialize in IPAs and they could have four or five of just that style period just they, it's, they, they don't need the hazy IPA they, they could have those as well but they could have four different styles but they could have four different American IPAs and not one of those would taste the same um which which I think makes it progressive in itself but I do agree that it is it is conservative in the fact that you almost can't open a brewery and not have your IPA so maybe they are just brewing that like the basic one that they got and they want to go some other route with the rest of their beers. But I I think just, just in the fact that it can be, like Rob said, it can be so different just by the hop that you chose and you can experiment so much with just a simple tweak of that brewing process.
2: It's progressive in itself. I, I agree with you guys. I think the, the only question that sort of sits in my mind and you guys mentioned sort of all these variations that came from a traditional American IPA is that might sort of be on the conservative side if you're pushing out one. The the different variations are what give you that more progressive twist on it. So if you're putting out a hazy, if you're putting out a double, you can try, like we've had locale IPAs. There's a lot of different things you can do to it that almost fall under this new separate category that sort of draw me back to just the traditional American IPA being somewhat conservative. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm flip-flopping because I agree that there is a a way to be more experimental with it. I just don't think I see a ton of experimentation just with the traditional American IPA. Yeah,
0: those are all good points and I I kind of agree with with most everything you guys are saying and disagree a little bit with it, but I I would imagine that, you know, everyone's going to have a different opinion on that and it's going to all lie on a on a crazy spectrum of <laughs> agreement and disagreement. <laughs> So we'll agree to agree or disagree. And we were going to move on to our next topic, which is we're going to kind of give a little bit of an update back in episode two, we discussed industry adaptation, what cities, municipalities, and states were doing to kind of maintain or keep the alcohol and beer industry afloat and to keep these establishments, whether that be you know, retail on-premise or off-premise, or actually just the breweries themselves and tap rooms in business. So I wanted to just kind of check in. It's now been almost, it's been about five months since we had that conversation. So I wanted to kind of just touch base with all of you and just kind of see, was there, is there anything that you've seen since back in June, when we first had this conversation that surprises you? Or are there things that, you know, shocked you with either things moving forward or things like regressing or progressing? I mean, I I kind of left uh, the
2: the Dallas area sort of midway through uh, the the pandemic. Um, I think there were there's some good things starting in Dallas and I'll kind of let Rob touch on those because I I didn't necessarily see them all come to fruition. Um, Colorado didn't change a whole lot. They were already sort of allowed to have you take things out of breweries, do curbside pickups. Um, they don't do a ton of delivery here, but it is somewhat of an option to me. I'll kind of go with, with more of a negative and, and I've seen a lot of these state to state changes on an individual basis. I'm personally looking for more of a national, you know, what are we and are we not allowed to do? Uh, because I would love the ability to, you know, order a beer from another state and have it delivered to my place with no problem. Um, but with all of the individual states sort of managing it on their own, it's almost impossible. you You literally have to look up the state that you want a beer from to figure out how it's even feasible. Um, and I'd love to see some sort of national solution that that could fix some
1: of that. yeah, I'll just chime in on uh, Texas laws uh, just as you mentioned, Josh, uh, you know to go beers, delivery, um, you know curbside, all of this, you know really came to fruition because of Covid. What I would say, though, is that while all of that is continuing, and and thankfully so, because I think it's really giving much-needed support to restaurants, bars, uh, and breweries in the Dallas area and throughout Texas, the one thing that we're starting to see, though, is that there's there's really starting to be a movement uh, locally within Texas. I'm not sure about nationally, although Josh is really curious to see if this will continue. But at least within Texas, you're starting to see uh, a movement to to make these laws permanent. And I know that there's some locations, some states that have made their COVID uh, regulation, regulations more permanent. It, it sounds like that's happening in Texas as well. Uh, there is, a, 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 and we'll just have to see if in 2021, if that'll, if that'll come to fruition. Um, I, I believe it will. I mean, there, there's just massive support throughout the state to, to just put these the, the re- relaxation of of uh, beer laws or just alcohol laws uh, and make them permanent.
0: Yeah, Rob, to your point, I know that Ohio just recently kind of solidified their alcohol sales to go rule um, that was enacted in response to COVID and the pandemic to help those struggling businesses to allow for to go sales. And that's now just being cemented and, and going to be laws moving forward and i think iowa's done
1: the same thing i think there's there's been a few states that have that have done that
3: yeah and i i think that's the biggest one i think and this biggest easiest and most obvious one that needs to change is that the to-go beer to go alcohol and to go and delivery even within state i'm not even saying like let's josh i agree with you like in the perfect world why do we have regulations if we can If it can be delivered from certain states to certain states, why can't it just be delivered anywhere? As long as you're proving that you're of age and you're paying your money, you should be able to get it. But it within your state, it's it's crazy that these breweries and tap rooms can't just do these deliveries whenever they want to if they choose to. And even out of a COVID world, why can't why can't when I go buy two pizzas from a place that happens to have a bar, why can't I have four beers with that as well? You know, oh cool, they have some beers on tap or or they have. Cans of beer, let me order four beers with that. It makes no sense that you can't do that when I can just stop at the gas station on the way home and do that. And it's gonna help the restaurants moving forward, even out of this type of situation. But it's just such a simple change, you'd think. But I mean, who knows? I, I'm certainly not no politician, and I couldn't tell you why we're so strict on that kind of stuff. But you I'd certainly think that would be the easiest one to just hold on to after this whole pandemic changes.
2: I mean, the state I'm in had near beer uh, up until a couple of years ago, where if you were at a golf course or anywhere else, really in in a public setting, you could only have beer that was like three, two. So there's all sorts of weird laws that um, probably have some history and and reason behind them, but maybe don't make as much sense nowadays. Um, But maybe we just disagree with those because we drink a lot of beer. (laughs) Very possible.
3: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Wes,
0: to your point about, and Josh, to that delivery, I mean, if Pizza Hut could get approval to start delivering beer in states, why can't other businesses? Why can't any food service business, any restaurant do like if you got a Crowler machine? Yeah, you should be able to absolutely do to-go sales when you have food delivered. Agreed. Think of the children, Andy. Think of the adult children, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to jump off of our main topics and just uh, touch on a quick beer news update, and it's on the topic of stout, and this news comes out of Guinness. I believe it's maybe a week, maybe a little bit more than a week old, but it's definitely pertinent to today's episode. Guinness is introducing a zero-alcohol version of their stout. It's scheduled to release in Q1 of 2021. It's going to be called Guinness 0.0 or Guinness zero. They're basically saying it's going to be the same thing just without the alcohol. Uh, so I guess like an alcoholic Coke zero or Nana like basically Coke and Coke zero. I don't know how it's going to go. Rob, I know that you're a big fan of Guinness. I want to get your take on this. Will you be one of those early adopters to try the Guinness 0.0? Probably not.
1: (laughs) 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 I mean, if there was some ABV in it, even 3.2, I might drink it on a golf course, but uh, I mean.
3: Yeah, Andy, it's like a Coke Zero in the sense that it has zero of the thing that people think is bad for you. but it's not like a Coke zero. And then it still makes you fat and you're not getting drunk from it. I don't know why you drink it. It doesn't make sense to me. The
2: the only thing I will say is that having, I've had a ton of Guinness. I like Guinness. I think that they can probably get very close to their taste profile, given how much malt is sort of in there. I have a feeling they're going to get it really close. And so if you liked Guinness and you were trying not to drink alcohol for a variety of reasons, yeah, Um, It it might be a good call Um, might even be a good option. If you were sort of out drinking with friends and you were the designated driver, Um, I I could see
1: them making a really good version of Guinness to, to give them a little bit of credit. Guinness already has a non-alcoholic beer. It's called caliber. I'm guessing that beer just completely flopped.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like if they're going to release it, they had to have gotten close. They had to have basically fooled people into believing that it was Guinness to confirm their suspicions and to give them that kind of like, you know, push over the edge to release it. Because there's no way you release a beer that you advertise is basically tasting the same as a standard Guinness without the alcohol. Like there's they have to get that flavor close. That's a good point.
3: I don't know, man. Zero percent beers are becoming popular again uh i actually saw during the football game tonight monday night football there was a bud zero ad during the football game so if if budweiser's putting enough money in to put monday night football ads in for a zero percent beer there's got to be some sort of market that somebody's buying things
1: yeah we should do a side by side and see if we can tell the difference there's a reason for you to
2: drink it you still get your alcohol and you get to try the zero yeah. yeah, and you get a check-in.
1: See, just to see if we can figure it out. Like see if you can do like a blind taste test to see if you can oh. figure out whether or not. Yeah. Good luck, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather drink water at that point. I'll be honest with yeah. you.
0: <laughs> well, my other thought was basically that maybe Guinness is is wants to get on the large beer festival, like get in that market, almost like an Oktoberfest. And Oktoberfest, Josh, is, as we learned from your relatives that, you know, if you get a little bit too far gone, the waitress might bring you a zero alcohol beer. And if you're going to do the same thing for Guinness, you don't want someone recognizing it immediately that this is not <laughs> a standard Guinness that you've given them. So you need to develop that zero alcohol version that tastes very close to the original to to fool some of those people so that they're they're not getting a little too far gone during the festival. It's the sneaky
2: Irish pub beer for Americans. They can just slide it in after you've had like four. Exactly.
0: Yep. All right. So I think we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back after this message. Hey there. Thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at The Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at The Brews Day Review. Cheers. And now back to the show. All right. Welcome back, Uh, Rob. I'm going to kick it off with you to introduce your unique beer of the week. What are you drinking?
1: So I have Metaphase. It's it's a double New England IPA from Drecker out of Fargo, North Dakota. It's an 8.2% ABV. They don't list their IBU. There's a thousand check-ins with an average of 4.25. I just poured it. It is very difficult to, to see through this thing. This is definitely a thick New England here. Upon first taste, I'll just tell you it is—it's awesome. I'm really liking that. It is uh, quite a stark difference from the uh, stout that I had earlier. But it is it is wonderful. I know I'm going to enjoy this one. I'm not sure where my average or where, where my my rating's going to be. Uh, you might have to come back to me on that one. But so far, I know I'm going to like this.
3: All right. Well, I stayed with the festivities and went with the stout again to continue our celebration of the International Stout Day. Um, I have an oatmeal milk stout, which is kind of strange because, Andy, you talked about how there's oatmeal stouts milk stouts but i don't even know if oatmeal milk stout is even like an option on untapped but i'll I'll tell you in a second (laughs) um it's from finkel and garf brewing company out of boulder colorado i am not miss saying garth it is garf but it sounds like i'm just like lisping um is a 5.5 percent abv 36 ibu with just over 4100 check-ins it's a 3.83 average i got this guy off of a beer drop i did not choose it it kind of came accidentally but it's a good accident because we're doing stout day so it was good to have in the fridge (laughs) nice um and it's yeah so it's out of colorado so sticking with the colorado stout theme it's it's really good it's funny how much it's a a way lower abv than that uh cheers beer we had and it's funny how just how much it how different the pour was it was way less thick pouring it out um way smoother a lot actually a lot less flavor to it. Um, but it's really good. Very smooth beer. Probably like a three seven, three eight with this one.
0: Wes, nice. I'm even looking at the name of the brewery that you typed in, but when you said garf in my head, I just thought you're missing the uncle part. Yeah. Like you should have said <laughs> garf uncle, regardless of the actual name <laughs> of the brewery. Well, I'll go next. I have also stuck with the celebratory stouts, and I Didn't make the smart choice in going for a non-imperial stout. So I am drinking an imperial stout. I'm drinking Black is Beautiful from Ool's Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. This is another one of the collaborative beer recipes uh, that we've seen throughout this year. Um, This is Ool's version of the Black is Beautiful recipe. It's a 10.7% ABV. There's no IBU listed. Has an untapped average of 408 Has even less check-ins than the Anniversary 8. This one has only 128 check-ins. And Wes, like you, I got this from a beer drop. uh, Poured really thick out of the can. Can't see through it. You know, like looking into a kind of like a black hole. This one, I get more sweeter notes than I did previously um, with the Anniversary 8. But I do, and Josh, I think I get it more so because you brought it up earlier, that like very char roasted aftertaste that you that you mentioned uh, when we were talking about the anniversary eight i'm now really getting that in the aftertaste and i don't really want to say thank you because (laughs) yeah i feel like i don't really want to taste the char yeah (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) andy we're really on the same page right now both doing stouts from our beer drop from boulder colorado
2: Really yeah. on point there. <laughs> I feel like I didn't get the memo. So I did stick with the stout, but I, unfortunately it's not from Boulder, Colorado. Um, I actually uh, have kind of a throwback beer from episode 11. We did the Sufferfest series um, and I happened to have one of their stouts, their Head Start leftover. Um, it's a 4.5% ABV. It's only 135 calories, which is one of sort of the things that they tout. Um, Rob, you gave it a 3.8. Andy, you give it a 3.6 both pretty high compared to the 3.29 average um taking a a sip of it and and having maybe had a a couple at this point um they mentioned that it it has coconut water and coffee in it i get a lot of those flavors it's much lighter than sort of i was anticipating even for the stout and, and harping back to the conversation we had where they're always lighter than you thought this is this is way lighter than i thought um, I, I'm above the average, but I'm, I'm maybe right around you, Andy, at a 3.6 or maybe even a 3.5.
1: Oh, Josh, did you do a workout right before this podcast that you earned that Sufferfest? I did not. This podcast is my workout. Does that count? I, th- I think it, it counts. Just moving your lips. Yeah, I think it
2: counts.
0: Sure. <laughs> sure.
2: Are you sweating over there? No, it's actually pretty cold. Uh. He is at
0: higher <laughs> elevation, so everything he does takes exactly. more Exactly. I walked up and down the stairs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll induce some heavy breathing in in higher elevations. Okay, so we're going to now jump to our big board. We are going to do a touch on last week before diving into this week's matchups. So last week, we did the NCAA football matchups that had some crazy spreads to it. We did Michigan versus Michigan State, Ohio State versus Penn State, and Boston College versus Clemson. Michigan, Ohio State, and Clemson were all favorites, some more wildly than others, um, but we took the spread, so who ended up actually winning maybe didn't matter as much as long as they met, you know, what the spread was, that was what we were going for. Um, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I got first place. I had to cho- I yeah, go ahead, Josh. Did you give Trevor Lawrence COVID? No, I did not give okay. Trevor Lawrence COVID. Just checking. i also didn't make boston college better at football so i had no i had no part in the outcome of that game but i chose correctly so uh michigan state actually ended up beating michigan and michigan was a 25 point favorite so um i actually was yeah i chose michigan state correctly ohio state won by 13 so uh, based on what we talked about last week that is what met the threshold for victory. And then Boston College ended up losing to Clemson, but they only lost by eight and not by 31 or greater. So I chose all three of those correctly. So I'm um, the winner, winner, chicken dinner. Jumping next, uh, Rob came in second place. He chose Michigan, Ohio State, and Clemson. So he got the Ohio State victory. And Which is it. The That's breaker. all I
1: got was Ohio State. That's all you got, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, and last week's tiebreaker that, uh, Rob selected was seven and the total field goals across all of the games were eight. So Rob was closest on the tiebreaker. So he got second, Josh, you got third. You also picked Ohio state correctly. You and Rob had the same picks, just different tiebreakers. So you got third, uh, being further away from the tiebreaker and Wes, uh, you got, uh, unfortunately dead last you selected Michigan, Penn state and Clemson. Uh, You actually had the tiebreaker spot on. Yeah. All right. So for a quick update on the uh, big board rankings. So still in fourth place is Josh with 23 points over the last five weeks. He's now scored a total of six points. So we're seeing a little bit, just a little bit of an improvement there. Uh, I am still in third place. I got 30 points with the victory. So I am, I'm a little bit closer to West. I've 13 points over the last five weeks. So definitely closing. Wes, you are still in second place. You have 31 points, so I'm pretty close. The last five weeks, you've scored eight. And Rob, you are still in first place. You have 38 points. And over the last five weeks, you scored a total of eight points. So uh, before the end of the year, it seems like there's still uh, some opportunities for positions to swap as we get closer to the end of the year. And I guess what I would consider this big board season before we move on to the next one. Buckle up. is Is it
1: calendar year? Let's just go on record here.
0: I think for this first season, we're, we're discussing calendar year. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll look at next year, uh, making a little bit more formal uh, distinction. There. There's a lot of time so jump, left. There is. There's a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of movement can be had. So jumping to this week, we are now in the final week of the NASCAR season. And I know you're all super excited. You've all followed along the entire year anticipating this week alone have you all been watching every race every week for the entire return since the pandemic Uh, yeah no i haven't even watched like (laughs) espn highlights it
2: wouldn't be a big board (laughs) if we actually knew what we were talking about
1: when the highlights come (laughs) on espn josh turns off off the (laughs) team
0: exactly yeah that means i can leave (laughs) Well, Wes, this one is basically in your backyard because this final race is actually taking place at the Phoenix Raceway. Um, It has the illustrious title as the Season Finale 500. uh, So there's no real sponsor name because this is the final race of the season. And uh, so it's 500 miles, a total of 312 laps. So for the big board today, we're going to be making two selections So similar to what we did recently, a few episodes ago with the horse race, we're going to be choosing one driver from kind of like the top five in the odds, and then one driver from kind of like lower on the list. We're not doing the way bottom, but we're doing the close to bottom group of drivers. So we're each going to pick one top driver, one bottom driver, and then it's going to be a combined placement of their finish. So If you got first and 10th, you would have 11. And then that's going to be kind of the ranking in the end. And then the tiebreaker is going to be most laps led by like the winning driver. By anyone or by the winning driver? The tiebreaker will be most laps led by any driver during the race. So I feel like we just changed the tiebreaker in the (laughs) middle of this. (laughs) No. (laughs) I said it again so it could so it could be very easily. <laughs> very it follows along what's written.
1: Yeah. Any any driver.
0: Yeah. I, I I'm not saying
3: he <laughs> changed it from what's written. I'm saying from what he said oh. the first time to what he yeah. said the yeah. second time. No, that's he didn't why I changed what the time record was. Oh yeah. The
1: the one thing that not that it matters because I have no the idea. The one thing that might be no. worth clarifying is that the the bottom list is like a kind of a set list at the bottom um like a bottom drivers right because otherwise you would just choose it's not it's not the he, he
3: said that he said yeah, yeah he got picking five from a, a section of the bottom not okay. the bottom okay. driver okay
0: so, cool yeah. said that. okay and similar to what we did with the the horse big the horse race big board we're going to be kind of going in a snake draft so Wes, you're going to go first you're going to you're going to take the first pick and we're going to start with the top five So you pick one driver from the top five and then we'll go Josh second, Rob third. I will pick fourth and then we'll go the reverse order when we pick from that selection of of bottom five drivers. All right, Wes, so what is your first pick?
3: I'm really torn here, but you know, we have done NASCAR before between the four of us. We've chosen NASCAR races and I am going to go with how I picked before with the only person, and I am confident this time, that is the only person in the top five that has a beer, a name that relates to a beer. And I'm going with Kyle Busch, beer podcast. He's gonna
2: win it for me. Gonna happen, Kyle Busch.
0: All right, Josh, you're up next. Man,
2: I was really expecting Kyle Busch to fall for me, and now I'm sort of torn. I'm going to go with the idea that uh, that none of us have any idea what we're doing, and I'm actually gonna go Denny Hamlin. Winner of last year's race. Good choice.
0: Good winner of last year's race, but third in, uh, in sort of the odds for this year and quite possibly named after an American staple restaurant. Denny's good. good call. Andy (laughs) possible. Yes. Yeah. Possible. Not confirmed. Not Not fact.
1: This is not how I saw the picks going and being the non-expert that I am. I feel like I have to choose Kevin Harvick here. I'm, I'm what, going Kevin Harvick. Rob
3: picking with the odds? Oh no! Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm picking third. <laughs> I
2: like... <laughs> just I just didn't see you picking with the odds. I you you're just usually such a wild guy. Yeah. good point. <laughs> Seem like a Joey Logano guy to me.
1: <laughs> Andy is very torn so Rob, right going now. With Kevin Harvick. I'm going Kevin Harvick. You're going with Kevin Harvick.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I think going to follow suit with West to what you had done previously. I'm fairly confident that I picked Joey Logano in the last time that we did a, a a big board NASCAR. So I'm going Joey low. Joey is going to be low. <laughs> low on low on the finishing board uh, <laughs> <ooh. laughs>
3: i hope you're right but that joke was not yeah, it was bad. <laughs> <I
0: know. laughs> all right so now that we've picked from the top five we're going to reverse that order we're going to pick from the not so bottom uh selection of five drivers so i get to go first in this little reverse order I have no idea who any of these drivers are. Their Perfect. odds are all terrible to win the race. Um, I'm going, I'm going to go, John. Do you think it's name check or name check? I'll go name check.
2: Yeah. Name check.
0: Okay. Right. We'll go with Hopefully like the meme
3: pronunciation so- of name yeah. check.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I almost, I guess I needed to name check him.
3: Oh, wow. oh, god. oh god all right cancel the podcast <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's two in a row that's too much yep all right rob you get to go next all right i'm
1: going to select a name that i think is easier to pronounce here so i'm going to go with michael mcdowell okay all right all solid all right oh is it solid, <laughs> you
2: know solid. <laughs> no nobody knows so it sounded good it sounded great you pronounce his name right
1: The pronunciation was solid. Okay. Yeah, Josh, what do you got?
2: I Ty Dillon. It has the highest odds of our crappy odd people, but he just feels like someone who's going to get in a crash. So I'm going to go Ryan Priest. Yeah. So Ty Dillon is going to just go all out. He's going (laughs) to
1: succeed.
3: He's not going to crash. He's going to get close. He's going to get really close, Josh. But he's just going to top ten. Miss that crash. Yeah. It probably almost win the race, but not quite because Kyle Busch is going to win the race. Exactly. One, two. Dillon will get second. So I'm going Ty (laughs) Dillon on the fact that he has the best odds. I'm going the Rob. Okay,
0: cool. All right. So for the tiebreaker, we're actually going to follow the same suit. So we want to give Wes as much of an advantage as possible when it comes to the tiebreaker after he was, um, basically cheated out of second place on a technicality so (laughs) we're gonna go in the reverse order for the tiebreaker so my pick for the tiebreaker as a reminder the total laps for this race is 312 and i think the driver will have 160 laps led okay so now we're gonna jump okay rob you are up next what's your tiebreaker
1: i'm going 102
3: whoa seriously you didn't even press this right you just went for an individual number just went random
0: yeah okay that's thank you so there's a wide range for uh for josh for you to pick from next
2: yeah i feel like it's all over the place i'm gonna go 145 and obviously it's gonna be Danny hamlin because he's gonna win so okay I I feel like I have so many
3: ways to go right now. <laughs> you guys really didn't provide a prices right no. moment for me, which I I think was a good call on your parts. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to prices right. Rob on the high side with a over. That's a good. I like choice. that too. Yeah, that's I good. like that too. Okay, so Rob, you got lows. You're you're safe, you're safe with low anything low.
2: Lots of crashes or something, Rob. I'm sure it'll be
3: fine. Uh, what's a, what, what's mean,
1: the weather I, like in Phoenix this weekend? Are you hoping for uh, rain? Yeah, it's like, sunny. Lots of rain. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, lots of wind, uh, lots, of rain, long, lots of rain, lots of ice. dust. <laughs> yeah.
3: So is everybody in Arizona <laughs> is hoping for rain. But it doesn't happen. <laughs> is
1: snow a possibility? Probably not.
3: <laughs> nope. <laughs> it is 90 tomorrow so maybe
1: cooler temps all right cold front
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right rob's hoping for the cold front okay so we're going to shift away from our big board and we're going to move on to our lightning round and as i mentioned in the introduction today's lightning round is all election focused so i've given you each a beer style and i want you to give me your campaign slogan in an effort to get the public to have your specific style of beer elected president or consumed at the bar. So I've given you each a beer style. I gave these to you in advance. So this is new to listeners, but not new to you. I hope you've come up with some uh, good campaign slogans and Rob, because this is a stout episode and I gave you the stout beer style. I'm going to have you go first. Give us your campaign slogan for stout beer.
1: Ooh, a lot of pressure. Even though I, I I knew what my my style was, all right. I came up with two, and obviously stout is tough. And I will say stout is tough just because I feel like I'm competing with with one of the best, and that's Guinness. They had good things come to those who wait, and Guinness gives you strength. They had eighty years. Built the style. They've had multiple really good slogans, but they've never run for president. And so I think to follow along with what you're saying here, Andy, I came up with two that I just haven't been able to decipher or decide between. One is, we know our stout. The second (laughs) is, brood to be the best.
3: How did you not? Have, have no doubt, go with stout. Yeah. <laughs> like, the second he said stout, I was like, well, doubt, just throw it in there. Yeah, just look at something right now. You need a new
1: campaign manager. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I could use a new campaign manager. <laughs> have no doubt, go with stout. Damn it, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway...
0: Rob, right, wes, I, think I lost the election yeah, I, think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think wes since you uh basically came up with a uh, rob's better slogan you uh you're gonna go next so for you I gave you hazy IPA so give yes. us your your campaign slogan
3: so I stuck with the rhyming scheme obviously which I gave uh Rob the rhyme so I have three actually i'll go I'll go pretty quick here I have you'd be crazy not to elect hazy.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. About, I like turn that.
3: every day into a golden haze, hazy haze. You know, it was a weaker mm-hmm. one. Yep. And then, obviously, in the spirit of the 2020 election where everybody's trying to get people to go out and just vote, because apparently we don't do that always, uh, I'm going with don't be lazy, get out and vote for hazy.
0: Okay. Ooh, I like, okay. I like those. I like those.
3: I
2: like number one, I think, the most.
3: Yeah. Two was weak. Even when I read it, it was weak. It made me sad. So we'll, we'll cut out two, and I'll go with the other two slogans. I don't like any of those. Okay. You
1: definitely don't know your stout. Yeah. <laughs> you owe me a lot of money for that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we know our stout. What does that mean? No, yeah, I still don't get that mm-hmm. one, Rob. It Maybe after the episode, stout. you can explain
3: it to
0: us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go next. Uh I'm a fan of Pilsner, so I, I selected Pilsner for mine. Mine's pretty straightforward. Light and clear, elect this beer is what I'm oh, doing okay, for Pilsner. That's a good one.
1: That, is, that was so. Never mind. I'm, I'm, oh, voting yeah, I'm voting for Pilsner. I'm to go after Andy now. I'm voting for Pilsner.
0: And uh, so, Josh, you're going to go last, and I gave you Pale Ale. So, what's your campaign slogan for Pale Ale?
2: You did. So I had two, and, and this is always a, a bad sign, but uh I merged them into one to make it even more annoying. So I went with uh prevail with a pale ale, a golden opportunity. <laughs> Rhymes and puns. Well, Pilsner,
3: congratulations the president of beers. <laughs> Good job, Andy. <laughs> Stout, you actually had you're me, you the treasurer. It, the pun round. <laughs>
0: If you hadn't gone the pun, Josh, you would have I would have voted for you. <laughs> Damn.
3: Uh, Andy, as the president of beers, who is your vice president? Ooh, tough.
0: The hazy IPA. Yes. Yes. Appeals <laughs> to a much broader audience.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and That's if great. you die, he gets to take oh, over. I get I get what you did. You didn't even just choose me because of my slogan. You just knew that I appealed to so many people. I'm just your like person on the side, like. Well,
0: you, you love hazies,
3: oh, right? People like that, exactly. dude. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Great. See, Palo's Great. a little too hoppy. Come off a little bitter. Stout. stout has stouts tears. are just... Oh, wow. back back off just... here, guys. <laughs> Josh and I are gonna crush this.
1: <laughs> but stouts, no. We know our stouts, stout. though. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't. I still don't know what that still means. doesn't make sense. No, but it doesn't have we'll to. Just, we'll chat about that after <laughs> the episode. <laughs> it's it's just gonna it's gonna catch on.
0: All right, well, to wrap up this episode, um, kind of as we always do, we want to get a good, bad, or ugly thing from each of you from this past week or this upcoming week. And, and Wes, I'm going to start off with you. What's your good, bad, or ugly of the week? Uh, My good of the week is
3: that I was able to get up to Prescott, Arizona this week, and it was nice and cold and chilly. And that made me happy because I'm sick of being in fall that isn't fall weather. So I went and we went and experienced fall by force. And it was amazing. And it was just nice to have some cool weather and get out of the house for a little
0: bit. That's great. I love cooler temperatures, especially I would I can only imagine I'm I'm not anywhere near a hot temperature right now. But <laughs> uh, it's hard to think about warm temperatures when living in Texas, it would still be also pretty hot right now. Rob, I'm gonna go to you next. What's your good, bad or ugly?
1: So much surprise, but, uh, it's so far Steelers seven and O, uh, was not expecting that, but they just continue to have, uh, just a great season here. So I, I, I'd be remiss not to just mention my, my good for the week is the fact that they are keeping it going and had a big, only undefeated team, right? Yeah. And had a big yeah. win against uh, Baltimore. That was great to get that, that, that division rival, um, down so had to be my good for the week
2: i'll i'll keep it going with a football theme is uh some rando in our league ended up beating me because jimmy g forgot how to play football and it's just really disappointing and it it really put a damper on my week i think jimmy g hurt his ankle and was out for like five weeks that's very insensitive sir he he did but he had three (laughs) quarters and he put up a point
0: Sounds well, like someone might be in the market for a quarterback.
2: I'm honestly not. It, this, this was my one, one backup week. I'll be back into it next week.
0: Mm, okay. Well, I'm going to piggyback off that Josh. Cause I was that person that beat you in fantasy <laughs> football. So that's my go to the week. I have, I'm on a, I'm on a win streak right now. I got two big hair. board, two big board wins in a row and three wins in fantasy football in the league that we're all in. So How many
3: wins do you have so far?
0: In fantasy football, 3 yeah. total. Oh, great, Start- <laughs> it's a big streak. <laughs> but all 3 of them, they come in bunches, all right? I win in bunches. That's what happens. <laughs> and I'm I'm hoping to continue the streak. Uh I'm I'm also kind of curious. I picked up uh, Antonio Brown very quickly off the waiver wire when there was word that he was potentially going to get signed by the Bucks. So uh Baited, I'm waiting with bated breath on that one to see if he's going to turn into anything worthwhile. All we've heard is great things. Are you going to start him next week? Hell no! Come on, man! <laughs> no you way. Trying to like turn the... those
3: bunches into bundles, Andy. Yeah, I'm proud of
0: you. <laughs> I, I need to see a week of performance before I uh, before I start adding him into my lineup. Okay. Well, I definitely appreciate everyone listening to this episode and we're going to end it just like we do every week with a peace. 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 Peace.